The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Yo, welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's uh, Friday morning. Time to talk some spring football here on uh, on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Uh, brought to you by our friends at A-Plus Lawn and Landscape. Uh, they're your source for all of your landscaping needs in central Iowa. Been longtime supporters of us here at Cyclone Fanatic, so we thank them uh, for being behind us and all of our spring football coverage here on the website. Uh, you know it's a special occasion when, when we've got to call in the big guns uh, to talk some spring football. We got Jay Jordan on the line. Jay, what's up, my brother? What's going on, man? How are you, Jared? It's been a while. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, it has been a little, it's been too long, man. You've been too busy. You got too much going on to uh, be talking football with us. I, uh, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I do have a lot going on, um, which is why I'm not as, as available as, as I ordinarily would be, but uh, I can always make some time to talk about the Cyclones with you. So, well, and this is an interesting, uh, interesting spring season. We haven't, uh, it seems like things have been much more quiet just around Ames in general, I think. Uh, a lot less buzz about the football program than what there has been these last couple of springs. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for this program, though, uh, after the way that these last couple years have gone, uh, especially when you think about some of the hype going into the, the, you know, those two years. And, you know, it might be nice to just have a little bit of a quiet off season. Yeah, I, I think so. Appropriately slow because, uh, you know, in the, those past couple of years, we've had very experienced teams, uh, high expectations with uh, folks we've seen produce for uh, a number of years uh, and expected progression uh, towards a higher level. Uh, but the landscape has changed so much, not just inside of, uh, you know, the Iowa State program, but in the Big 12 and in the country, really. Uh, over those two years, uh, I think it's a. I agree with you. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a welcome thing, more more than likely, in the room, to once again be quiet. Yeah. And, um, uh, to be a surprise without a lot of stuff out there, uh, with lower expectations. Um, I, I think it's a good respite for retooling and a good spot for Iowa State. So we're just going to run through some of the things that some of the question marks I think that there are out there about this team. There's a, there's a handful of positions that it's just, man, we just don't know. You don't know much about the guys that they've got coming back. You don't know much about uh, the guys that they're, they're bringing in or how those things are going to fit together. And um, you know, one position we do know obviously is the quarterback position with, with Hunter Deckers. And that's assuming that, you know, Rocco Becht or JJ Cole or someone isn't able to come in and, and beat him out this spring or this spring in the summer. But um you know, Decker's obviously the incumbent up and down year a year ago, but there's still the talent. The arm talent is is obviously there for him to to be a really high level player. What's the spring like? You know, what do you think the spring goals need to be for him, especially with a new offensive coordinator? Get Nate Shieldhouse in there leading the quarterbacks. What's that like for for a starting quarterback? Um, Ordinarily, it'd be something completely new. So you've, so you've got to learn some some nuances to the coach, to what they want, um, how they want you to, to do things. That's a little bit mitigated here because Showhouse has been around. Uh, he hasn't necessarily been the quarterback coach, but he's been around. Uh, I'm sure conversations and familiarity uh, exist 
uh, at a higher level than you would ordinarily expect with Shield House and Deckers. I, I think it's all about Deckers and his focus uh, and what he's going to bring. Uh, I have no doubt that the coaching staff has a different vision. We can talk about that in a minute uh, on how the offense will unfold. Um, Hunter had some difficult decision-making uh, moments. He had some difficult throw physical uh, moments in games last year. Uh, I, I saw or read a little bit that, you know, kind of the standard spring mantra is I'm going to work on the details, right? Mm -hmm. Which implies that you know everything else and you know exactly what you're doing from a physical and mechanical standpoint. Uh, and you're working on some details of your reads and, and how, how you move a team down the field. Um, I think he probably needs a little bit of more work on all of it. <laughs> and I hope those details are expanded uh, to in, in increase and include some some mechanical issues that are there as well. Uh, but what do I really think he needs to work on? Um, understanding what he sees down the field, understanding coverage, understanding uh, where it's at, where it's going to be, and his timing on getting the ball out of his hands. Um, and, and where he goes matters. Uh, we can talk about that as well as, you know, a giant unknown with mm -hmm. the X gone. Um, but I, I think that's an advantage for him. I think on the positive side, he's going to have to spread the ball around. We're going to have to have eight to 10 guys touch the ball uh, for in the passing game. He's going to have to go short and long. Uh, but more than anything, I really want to see him dial in and find out what he does really well. Uh, I think we saw him try to do a lot of different things last season. The challenge for Shieldhouse and for Deckers is to find out what he really does well. What are our baseline options that we can move the football even when adverse circumstances? And if they can get that identified this spring, then you can hone it in in the fall and we can see a more effective offense. With the guys that are, are catching passes, you know, it's hard to – I think it's hard to project too much because – Hunter really threw to one guy, you know, yeah. 75% of the time uh, last season with, with X. But you bring back Jalen Knoll, who, you know, I think we all feel has the potential to be a, a big-time player for Iowa State. But then you look up and down the rest of that group. I mean, Demetri Stanley played some for Iowa State last year. You bring in the transfer uh, in Jaden Higgins, who had, it sounds like has some really high-level potential. But then it's like up and down that group. There's no seniors, but there's guys that you've – seen flashes of whether it's a Daniel Jackson or an Aiden bitter or, uh, you know, go on down the line, like Greg Gaines, who, you know, was someone who was highly touted as a freshman. We know those names and we've seen bits and pieces of them at times, but we've never seen them have to really be in the kind of roles that they're going to have to be in this year. Yeah. We never really saw a two or three option, um, pop up last year mm -hmm. uh, one was so overarching both from the quarterback's perspective and uh you know just how good he was at, at being able to be that guy um but i think part of the limiting factor or one of the limiting factors on the offense was it was that guy uh coverage could be rolled it could be difficult and we could give him his and make sure nobody else hurts us and uh and we'll be all right because that's the only place the quarterback is looking um i'm not making that accusation um but it certainly felt that way in the production and the way games unfolded. So now you've got a clean slate. Who's it going to be? I don't know. Um, we've seen flashes from Noel, right? He's good at getting open across the middle and short. Um, Stanley's supposed to be a deep threat, and he showed that a little bit. Um, Gaines 
Bitter. I like, you know, the couple of catches, the few flashes we saw from Bitter. I thought that he could be a guy that steps up and becomes a real consistent guy. In my world, I would like to see three guys be really solid options on any play. And that includes uh, Hanukkah at tight end. They've got to figure out a way to get the tight end back into the offense in a more prominent way. Uh, maybe not exactly to the level you had with Charlie Kohler, but but Hanukkah showed enough last year that I was frustrated <laughs> as a fan watching because I, I thought that he had a good knack for finding open space and was solid at, at catching the ball uh, when it got delivered to him. Um, I think that that's a real key component to finding space for the other guys. Um they're a little bit quicker. They're a little bit faster. Uh, the Higgins kid, uh, the transfer, I think is going to be huge. Uh, does he come in and make an immediate impact? He needs to um, to carry some of these guys along. But but we're going to find out about recruiting. We're going to find out about these guys very, very quickly. And, and Deckers has to find confidence in, I believe, three of these guys include Hanukkah in the mix in order to effectively do what I believe they're going to, going to pivot to uh, offensively. What, what is that thing that you believe they're going to, they're going to pivot to what, and what's the challenge for Shieldhouse you think from a schematic sense of being able to make, cause I think we all know that there's not going to be like drastic sweeping changes. No. Like they're playing Matt Campbell style of football, but what are some tweaks that you can make to that, that, you know, maybe can help that come along a little bit. I thought they floundered last year uh, with what to do without the three tight ends um, and figuring out what they had with those players. Because uh, in the Matt Campbell offense, even back in the Toledo days, the tight end has been crucial. It's been an important position. It's been a position they've sent uh, people to the pros uh, at. It's it's important in how they, they maneuver their running game. So they pivoted a little bit last year and they used more of a fullback base, uh, an H, not even an H-back. It was, it was more of a, a pure F-back um, type base in the running game. And then uh, that limits your options with regard to the route tree uh, in the passing game. And I thought that that caused them to bog down. It's not a bad idea to think, well, we're going to use some traditional, traditional, I say traditional because I'm old and back in my day type football um, mm -hmm. thoughts from more modern sets. And we're going to be able to make hay with that because we can be physical enough to uh, work on some of the lighter, faster defenses that we see these days and defenders. Uh, and it just didn't work. Um it was, it was just difficult. We lost an option in the passing game. So there are two things I think Shieldhouse will focus on is one, re, retooling the way that they use the F-back and the H-back and the tight end uh, with those players, uh, getting uh, more passing opportunities for them. And the reason that's important is the second part that I think they'll, they'll work on, which is the route tree. Uh, I had a lot of uh, – you've heard me you know, talk about this ad nauseum uh, – outside of any any recorded broadcast is that the route tree is slow developing at times when it doesn't need to be uh the route tree often does not have uh, a levels feel to it options throughout the field that stretch the or force coverage throughout the entirety of the field um, and and i believe uh for shield house to be effective if, if i'm looking at the offense which i'm using my experience uh which is more vast, uh, but but uh, that's where I would be looking is to change up those route trees to provide 
better comfort and levels for deckers help him in the mid uh short and deep ranges uh, which gives your receivers a better opportunity to uh, shake free for some space as well. So if they retool um, how they use the tight end and the H back, move them more into a, a frontline second level blocking group uh, as opposed to a primary first level block blocking group, which is what they were doing um, this year with the F back. Um, and and that, that was the real difference. That's a real difference in the Iowa state running game is when you moved that, that F back, you moved that and you took uh, a chase Allen off the, off the line or mm-hmm. he and Kohler, or you remember the double tight end shifts when mm-hmm. we get unbalanced and how effective we were with that, with Montgomery and hall. Um, when, when you take that out, you've now refocused where those blocks occur. So, so that F back block occurs at the first level, meaning your defensive line area or linebackers coming to that area, you're blocking that. And now you've left the second level, which, necessarily constricts the amount of yards that that play is blocked for what we had before with Brees Hall in particular. And Brees was obviously as good as anybody that's ever been at Iowa state, uh, you know, finding that space, seeing it, reading it and exploding through it. But what you had often was you had the ability to take a frontline blocker in, in uh, Allen or even Kohler and move them up to the second level right now. And so now we're blocking the second level, with that back, with that extra blocker, instead of assisting in and or having a primary block on the first level. And that creates space that if they make the first guy miss, now we got 10 yard gain plus with an explosive back. Um, that constriction then affects the passing game because now I've got better option in play action. I've got a better option in my passing game because I can feign a second level block and turn it into a mid level pass route and that guy gets open and that's where we saw a lot of completions in the Iowa State offense previously so misguided no it's not a terrible idea to to have that change up Um, it didn't work real well uh, but I think that's where we see a pivot is is how those players are utilized in getting to that second level block and making sure that those extra blockers that they'd like to use by shifting their formations and using those bigs and those spots that they're most effective on getting a second level block that gets our guy outside on an outside zone that makes a seal uh, on an inside zone play uh, or or a quick hit gap scheme play. Um, I think that's that's where where we will see things uh, open up for Iowa State. I mean, I tell you what, I, every time I've listened to Shilhas, I've been impressed with just yeah. his, the way that he communicates. You know, and last night we talked with Ryan Clanton, uh, the offensive, the new offensive line coach. And I mean, you want to talk about impressive equally as impressive as, as what Shieldhouse has been. And to listen to him talk about teaching the offensive line uh, is, you know, refreshing. I think he does a really good job of being able to explain the things that they're working on up front. And I know, you know, he talked about how some of the changes that they've made, some of the blocking scheme changes they've made and some of the plays they've put in new, uh, new run blocking, with new run blocking schemes have been some of their most explosive plays during the spring, which, you know, who knows what that means? You know, it's, it's obviously spring, but they could be going 11 on zero and it's like, yeah, that's our most explosive play of the spring, you know? Uh, but I've been really impressed with him. And then you hear Jake Remsburg talk about him and what he's been able to bring into the room and how much growth he's seen from that group. I mean, I think we, we could see a different, completely different kind of Iowa state offensive line 
this year with the mentality that that guy is coming in and instilling because he's as impressive as any offensive line coach I've seen since I've been covering Iowa State, which is this is the tenth year this next this next season. So uh, the coaching staff changes are significant. I mean, that's a it, it's it's hard to articulate what that can mean. Uh, it's kind of a you know a good one when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the product, uh, all of the guys that they brought in have a solid track record. Clinton, um, you know, it's a very exciting hire because he's done a fantastic job. We know that, right? We've, right. we've played against his teams. We know how difficult and how, uh, where we thought we had, I say we, where Iowa State thinks it has uh, advantages. They weren't advantages. Uh, we've seen his guys go to the pros, um, which Iowa State hasn't hasn't done or equaled, Mm -hmm. um, in that respect. So, so yeah, that breath of fresh air, uh, the newness of that is something that was clearly needed or Campbell wouldn't have made the move, um, given his loyalty and and penchant for continuity on a staff to have this much turnover is a, is a major deal and overhaul for Iowa state football. But yeah, if he brings a refreshing and, I've always thought with the offensive line, it's not any different than any position in football and and football in general is you can have your system and your system. uh, You get certain players that fit your system. The more successful guys, well, that can be very, very successful, but uh, you often see success more in the modern game with guys who are able to adapt to the talent that they're able to get. And Iowa state being a developmental program and not a, blue blood recruiting uh, place uh, has to be very cognizant of that and, and do it very well. And those changes can be very subtle. They can be very subtle in, in, in how you, how you block a certain play, how you attack a double team, what that technique is, which foot you're leading with, um, what your primary um, aiming point is on certain plays. Um, it can be very subtle in, in how that is done, but if you can do it and adapt to to these guys, then then you get those steps forward in development that make a difference. If the offensive line is better, we don't have to make huge changes in the scheme. <laughs> uh, there'll be people open and there'll be uh, lanes to run through, uh, regardless of who the back is. Um, so so I've always said it all starts there is right up the middle so so if that if that and that that's old football there's nothing new or revelatory about that or particularly insightful um but if there's that type of you if you hear excitement from the guys who are playing for him that makes a difference Mm -hmm. that motivation that connection that belief in what you're being taught often is the difference between making a block and not making a block um, or making a play uh, at any position. That belief and that trust that's, you know, in the weeds, that's that's mental. That's the mental side of the game. Um, outside of just pure talent, that belief can make up for a little bit less talent from time to time. And uh, if that is what you're hearing, if that's what's, what's coming out um, or what we hear buzz as we lead up, makes a huge difference. And it doesn't feel like in the past when Matt Campbell's come out and said, yeah, I think we got the best offensive line that we've had since I've been here, you know, for like six consecutive seasons to say those things. It feels different where there's uh, not necessarily that same 
hyperbole, but yeah. also uh, it feels like you can just kind of sense it, you know, that there's just more, more juice in that room on some level. This game is so much about, I hope I've conveyed this over the years that we've talked, you know, what we've talked to you and I for five of your mm -hmm. 10 years or so, mm -hmm. you know, over the years we've talked, I, I hope I've been able to convey how, um, how important, I mean, I mean the, the 40 times, the, the strength from the weight room, the size of our players, the speed, the recognition, that that's, that's a huge part of the game. It's a very physical game, but the mental part is what makes all the difference. And, and that mental part can be categorized or stated in many different ways. Confidence is a, is a way that I would, I would say it pride, uh, in what you do, um, and who you are is, is a better way. That's what I try to teach. Uh, and, and as you, you change, build and morph your culture, um, that's where that, that happens. It, it happens in the physicality, but that physicality all starts here in your head. And so, so the ability to infuse or, or remove toxic elements and infuse confidence building, uh, self belief, elements in make a massive difference in how you play and perform on Saturdays and in practice. And we've, if you were very careful and listen and, and studious enough to go back from Campbell's first day till today, when he talks about the process, when he talks about Montgomery working out and bringing other guys in, those things aren't done necessarily for the physical skill that that was building. What that's building is a mentality mm -hmm. that I don't want to be beat and I will work hard enough to beat you, which matters on a single play on a big down on Saturday. It matters when you are trying to win games that were close losses. So Iowa State's coming off a season where they had how many games they lost by seven points or less? Six of the eight, five mm -hmm. of the eight. Um, so if I'm going to get over that hump, that's a mental issue less than it is a physical issue. Um, the mistakes that we saw last year are mental issues. Uh, an offensive line's confidence in what they're doing and success rate uh, on how they're being asked to block a certain play oftentimes boils down to whether or not they like running that freaking play. And if they like running it and they like the angles they're hitting at, they perform it better. Um, that's what I think they're getting a reset on this year in this off, off season, especially on offense is that it's quiet. Mm -hmm. There's new people. Uh, there's a respite, an opportunity to rest and build a slow confidence that, Hey, doesn't really matter what everybody else is saying. We didn't do that great when the spotlight was on us. It's office now. Let's just, let's just work on our pride and take pride in who we are. And, and that's a, I don't know. I get I get fired up as you can tell. I'm jumping around here in the chair. Uh, <laughs> I get fired up because that's what I talk about every day uh, right. in my day to day challenges, and um, that's why I love seeing uh, at my alma mater. I love it. I love it. All right, let's flip things over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, where do you see things? The you know the the growth during the spring. Where does it start with this side? The we know what that back end is going to look like for the most part. I mean, it's got to be in that front group, right? Yeah, I mean, I can let you just – you don't need my <laughs> my take on, on the defense. It's pretty obvious. Um, I was making some notes before we, we got on, and, and I actually convinced myself of something, which is generally dangerous because I'm usually wrong. But um, 
it's going to be a shift. Obviously, you lose two talented pass rushers. Uh, that made a huge difference and, and mark on the game on, on Iowa State's elite defense last year. I mean, that was the best defense Iowa State's ever had, uh, in my opinion. I think it bore out statistically. And if it didn't, they were... They were damn close. They yeah. were damn close. Um, so, so up front, clearly, you've got to replace, uh, you know, how many first-round draft packs, picks has Iowa State ever had? One? One, uh, and it's been 50 years. So we might have two. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was on the defensive line, so that tells you about all you need to know. So you got to replace that type of generational talent or yeah. multi-generational talent uh, in this case. Um, I think – I don't know who those players are going to be or if, if, if they um, have that capability to replace that. So then that puts you in a position to have to morph and to have to change uh, the way you play. One of the things I think we don't talk about enough, we talk about the players, but we probably don't as analysts uh, talk enough about the defensive scheme that, that Iowa State uses and, and how Haycock designs it is how important the linebackers are. Uh, they seem to not be so because we play with a lot of defensive backs and we have defensive linemen who are either good run stuffers or, or get around for, for pass rush. But your linebackers have to be your playmakers. And that, that defense, the way it is schemed, when you have a linebacker, I'll use you know the succession, Willie Harvey and, and Mike Rose in that outside backer spot, that's really one of the key pivot points on that defense because it – aids your ability in coverage you can help if that person can cover I'll, I'll use my term a one and a half meaning they can cover what they're expected to cover but then they can do half again as much mm -hmm. uh, in addition in coverage and either space or recognition uh, in the same in the run game uh, they can they can cover one and a half uh, type of an expected return from that position and what is needed then, then you've got something because you can lean on, you can cover up a weak spot uh, in the secondary or, or on the line. Uh, and if you have strength spots, now you really shut some stuff down and you get some turnovers, which we saw uh, with those players. Uh, that's, that's really the position group, that second level with the linebackers that I'm, I'm looking at at Iowa State. I think the defensive line, if they can become more of a, a, a run control defensive line as opposed to a pressure defensive line, um, then that puts all the pressure on the linebackers to make the plays. And do we have the playmakers out there to, to do that uh, at an effective enough rate to keep uh, the run defense where it's at? But I think what's interesting is that the secondary is so good. I think we've got the best covered corners that mm -hmm. we've had yeah, in a long time. Uh, and I mean, at got, least as a duo, at the very least, with with yeah, yeah. and when and yeah, just, just yeah, right. Um, then we got range at safety, but we've got box safeties, so we've got second level safeties, basically, guys who can play like linebackers, hybrid type types there. So we can cover up a little bit what the deficiencies in the line and the uh, linebackers have by utilizing and shifting around the, that secondary if the corners are as advertised. If the corners can play, I don't want to use lockdown coverage. There aren't a ton of lockdown corners, period, at any level of football. 
but um, but if they can play very solid defense on the outside, if you're okay leaving them on their own from time to time, you can cover over some of the sins of the front seven uh, with those box safeties because I think those box safeties are, are good enough to do that. So it creates a, an interesting thing where you might ordinarily think the defense takes uh, a step back, which – I would expect that and not be surprised if that happens based on just personnel and, and experience. But they may be able to, to maintain or even take a step forward because they play a little bit different with the talent level that they have. And the one thing we have seen consistently from the defensive coaching staff is they're really good at making those adjustments and mm-hmm. figuring out how to cycle their guys into the right spots to make the right plays. And, um, I fully expect that. It'll be interesting because it'll be more secondary heavy. It'll be back forward as opposed to forward back, which we've we've been personnel wise in the past. But but you can still do it. Uh, it gets me. I'm getting fired up again because I get excited about how you do that. And uh, I think we I think there are guys at Iowa State that can can actually do that and remain top of the league type defensively. Uh, all right. Last thing I'm going to ask you about, and then I'm going to I'm going to let you go and get back to to your day, to your day job. But uh, the special teams coach having a special teams coordinator what what's the challenge that that guy's facing in the spring? Do I really have to comment on this? There's a re- there's a reason we never talk about special teams. Hey, the the fans <laughs> love the special teams coach. Okay. Yeah, we need an opinion on the special teams coach. Oh, jeez, I don't know him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Special teams is an art. It's not a. a it's far more art than the rest of the game is. Um, it's different these days. Can I just be generic football guy? And yeah, be generic play? football guy. Yeah. yeah What's the what challenge I- of coaching special teams in twenty twenty three? Yeah, is look if generic football guy is coaching special teams. Generic football guy gets generic special teams, and at Iowa State, we would be happy with generic special teams. (laughs) If you make kicks you're supposed to make, and you uh, cover kicks like you're supposed to, and you get an occasional return that gets somebody out of their seat, um, then nobody's asking for Beamer ball. Nobody's asking for Virginia Tech uh, special teams. Yeah. I don't even think we need to win games in the kicking game. No, uh, I, I just think that not losing them is, is, is a step forward. So, but having someone concentrated on that generally makes a difference. Now, mm-hmm. the real question on special teams is just like anything else is how much time do you devote to it? Yeah. Practice? And, and if, if you, uh, like for instance, when I played, we weren't a very good team on offense and defense. Uh, we were overmatched uh, very often. We were damn good on special team. <laughs> we had a, we had a dedicated guy who was really good at it, and uh, we practiced the hell out of it. And um, that that that's what it takes. It's not. No, it's really no magic formula. Do you do you uh, practice it and put enough emphasis on it that the guys who play it take pride in what they're doing. And if that's the case behind the scenes and there's a dedicated special teams coach, then it gives you reasonable expectations that special teams will be normal. And if special teams are normal, then we've, we've done something really well. So, Hey, Hey coach, what, uh, what, what should we work on with the defense today? Uh, screw it. We stink anyway. Let's just, let's go work on kickoff coverage. Some more. <laughs> yep. We got to get it, get it, uh, 
get it kicked to the right zone, go box it in. Somebody's got to break the wedge and, oh, uh, and bring them down. So that's funny. All right, brother. We'll uh, we'll have to catch up with you again before the football season starts and, and go even longer. But appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Everybody have a great weekend. Peace.